great to see everybody here this morning. Everybody uh, looks like has gotten fully into the school year and back into normal life again, whatever that might look like. So I'm glad you're here today. If you're a guest, again, it's great to have you with us. My name is Randy. And uh, for a few weeks now, we've been in a series that we've called The Road to Recovery. And we've just been talking about the fact that we have this amazing God who loves us so much, this God who, in spite of our struggles and uh, the problems we get ourselves into, that He reaches out and He invites us to come and join with Him and to be a part of His family. And uh, He welcomes us. And this process is kind of what we might call recovery. And we've talked about the fact that sometimes it's, uh, we, we deal with issues, hurts, habits, and hang-ups that really can derail our life and take all of our energy and all of our attention and really kind of get us in a bad place. But, but all of us, even if we're not dealing with that, all of us deal with challenges in life. And uh, the whole idea of just being, you know, being in ourselves and away from God is, it puts us in a place where we need to, to find recovery. And so uh, we've been talking about that for a few weeks, and uh, we have uh, this week and next, and then we're going to move on to a new topic. But uh, I'm excited about this because God's doing some really neat things in our church through Celebrate Recovery. So we're going to talk about the next step today in all of our lives. What do we need to do to move forward in this process of this road to recovery? And I want to introduce a, a topic that you probably heard about before. It's, uh, it's the word momentum, word momentum. You know, I don't remember this, but back in the 1960s, sports analysts first began talking about the fact that this process of momentum uh, is what made sports teams more successful. Uh, they kind of identified the fact that sometimes when teams start winning a game or two, uh, they just, then they get momentum, they kind of get up some speed, and that helps them win in cases they normally wouldn't, unexpected. But their momentum carries them forward. You know, and so in our life, sometimes when we get on a roll, it's easier for us just to keep going once we get some momentum behind us to pick up speed and to go further. And that's true in almost every area of life. If you're doing well in your job, you're kind of getting some momentum, you're doing well. In the church world, you know, when, when things, good things are happening, momentum happens in the church, it kind of rolls you forward, and it's very encouraging when you've when you're, when you got momentum. But once something happens to kind of make you lose your momentum, you begin to falter, and oftentimes you sputter to a stop. So in this process we've been talking about here on the road to recovery, about coming out of the dark, uh, momentum is important. And I know that some of you guys are experiencing some, some encouraging things in your life. Through this process, I hope that you've seen that there's a God who does love you, who has the power to help you overcome some of the issues in your life, and you're beginning to see, wow, you know, I, I've got some victories, some good things are happening in my life. I've been able to say no to some things that, that I don't need to be involved in. I've been able to say yes to some things that are, are definitely good. And hopefully through these victories, encourages, and changes, you're getting some momentum. You know, we began a few weeks ago and we said that the road to recovery is all about recognizing who God is. And we, we're kind of using this acrostic, and I'm not going to put it on the screen today, but it's, it's basically talk, realizing that, that we're not God, that there is a God, that we earnestly believe that God can make a difference in our lives, that we commit our life to Christ, we openly confess our struggles and our sins to God and others, we voluntarily submit to change, and then last week we talked about how to repair relationships and make restitution by offering forgiveness and, re and asking for forgiveness from other people, and, and how all those things are a part of this road. And if you've been doing that and moving along, hopefully you, you say, I've, I've got some momentum going forward here. But, but we all know that in anything that we do, it's easy to lose momentum. It's easy to kind of lose that success because recovery is not smooth, it is messy, and it is also not easy as well. Sometimes there's two steps forward and one step back. And, 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes there's one step forward and two steps back. The process isn't always, you know, moving forward. Sometimes there's discouragement in life. Sometimes in life we get to the place where the new kind of wears off. And so if, if you're on the road to recovery and maybe some encouraging things are happening, uh, beware because danger is up ahead almost every part of our life. Beware also that uh, because uh, there's a danger of the honeymoon wearing, over, wearing off, uh, the new wears off, old patterns return, old friends show up in your life maybe to drag you back into your, your previous lifestyle. You begin to question, is all this really worth it? And, and, you know, and don't forget the evil one who's whispering in your ear that you, know, you don't need to make changes, you were fine the way you were. And when they call in recovery, they call this whole process a relapse, a relapse, where the alcoholic goes back to their addiction or the addict goes back, the overeater regains the weight they lost, the gambler returns to the, the casino, the workaholic begins to fill their schedule up once again, the porn watcher returns to their habit as well, and, and really what happens is we kind of go back and we revert or we relapse to where we were before. The Bible calls that returning back to our sin. And it gives a really vivid word picture there in 2 Peter chapter 2. Here's the word picture. Of them the proverb is true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Now, I'm not going to go into that first part there because that's pretty obvious and kind of disgusting. You know, you know I'm not really an animal person, and that just, that just makes me a little sick anyway. But I will tell you that a couple of years ago, we had some pigs, and and uh, pigs are a mess, and I, I am done pig farming for sure, you know, um, because uh, you're talking about nasty, and if it's not nasty, they make it that way. Uh, we had a, a sow that, it's a long story, but anyway, we had this sow, and, uh, and you know, we, we would have her out there, and, and, and her pen would dry up, and then we would water her, and she would take her nose and splash the water out on the ground to create a mud hole, and then she would wallow in it. And just, you know, just dirty all the time. Pigs don't want to be clean. You know, they, they really don't. And so when a sow returns to her wallowing in the mud, it's just a vivid picture of us going back to sin and how dirty that can be. So today we're going to talk about relapsing a little bit. We're going to talk about what, it, what causes us to relapse into whatever our issue might be. And then we're going to look at the, the maintenance step, step number seven that we've been talking about on the road to recovery that hopefully will keep us from relapsing. And, and I hope that all of us understand this step is really important regardless of what the issue in your life. But here's a very predictable pattern of what happens in our life whenever we slip back into sin or back into our issue, whatever it might be. The first step is complacency in the journey. We get comfortable where we are. For the person uh, who is dealing with an addiction, they feel like they've got it whipped. They've got it whipped. You know, I, I'm told that, that people who are realistic about their addiction, for an alcoholic, for example, will tell you that they will always be an alcoholic. They may be in recovery at some point, but they will always be an alcoholic. But sometimes when we're not realistic, we think, okay, I've got that problem taken care of, that I don't really need uh, the group accountability. And they become very careless about that and become very complacent. And then once we become complacent, the next step is rationalization, where we think that our problem really wasn't that bad to start with, that maybe everybody else was blowing it up, that our problem wasn't that bad, that we can handle it if it, we have to deal with it again, that we can handle it, then we rationalize. And then the third step is compromise, where we go back to the step or the place of temptation where we first got into trouble. 
For example, the alcoholic goes back to the bar and the gambler goes back to the casino. Uh, you go, the person goes back to the strip club or the buffet or the mall or wherever it is that your issue gets you in trouble. That's where you go back to and you begin to compromise. It's a process of falling back into the old pattern of behavior through complacency, through rationalization, and eventually compromise. And I want to tell you through the years, I can't tell you how many people I've seen who have left destructive lifestyles, found victory over those things, gotten into a relationship with Jesus, lived and grown for a time in that, but slowly slipped back into their previous life. And you know what the Bible says, that whenever that happens, sometimes we are worse off than we were to start with. Then we got out of that, and you go back to that, then it, you're kind of hardened to it. It's, it's more difficult to get out of it the second time. So it happens all the time. I don't think this is intentional, but the reality that it's so common that, that I, I think there's a pretty good evidence uh, for why this happens, pretty good reasons. So what is it that causes a relapse in our life? Whatever it might be, we slip back into a pattern, a destructive pattern or sin or whatever it may be. What really causes that? Well, I think the first thing that causes it is that we revert to our own willpower, that we, we go back to our own strength that we didn't have to start with, that we found in Jesus real power, but we go back to our own. Galatians chapter 3 says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So Paul says, look, you know, you, you kind of got out of this hole by the power of God, and you were walking in that, the Holy Spirit was living in you, and you were operating on His power, and now you are slipping back into your own flesh, your own strength. Because once you recognize God as large and in charge and of your life and you give Him control, His Spirit comes into you and changes your life. But at some point, that flesh part of us begins thinking that, that we did it, that it's by our power, that we don't need God, you know, like we did in the past, or maybe we never needed Him to start with. And when that happens, you know what? God will oftentimes let the bottom fall out of our life. He will let, the, he will let us break. He'll let us fall and relapse until we realize that we can't do it on our own. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It is by the power of God that we do everything, any of our successes. It's our own power and strength that fall, that makes us fall and relapse. Another thing that causes us to fall is um, we try to take shortcuts on this journey. Whenever we start skipping some of the steps that we've discussed here. You know, I know a lot of people who have a, real, a lot of really uh, strong abilities and strong character and, you know, great intentions. And sometimes, you know, we began a road to recovery on our own. And we might even get a little bit of distance down the road, maybe like, you know, not really putting God in His rightful place. Or maybe we decide, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to deal with repairing the relationships, like Tony talked about last week, of forgiving people and kind of clearing our heart and our mind of all those things. That's not really important. Or I don't really need to make restitution to people that I may have hurt along the path. And when that happens, we start to skip the, the steps and we try to take shortcuts. Then we have to realize that, that we're not whole, we're not complete, and we're not going to make it. We have to stop, uh, we have to keep working the steps to recovery. And we have to be consistent. We have to make decisions and be consistent about that. Another reason we relapse is to try to recover without support. Try to do it all by ourselves. You know, God's made us with the need for one another. He really has. You know, it, uh, we look around us today and we see people in the room with us that, that we know and love and that, that depend upon us. We depend upon them. We need each other in this journey of life. We need people that care about us, that we can care about. And God has created us with this incredible need. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The person who isolates themselves in life, whether it's just in their own journey of life or whether it's in uh, their, their relationship and their recovery, uh, when you isolate yourself, you discover that you're, by, you're, you're alone and when you fall, there's nobody there to help you. You kind of, you, you, your own worst enemy because you push people away. And the reality is that we can make some progress on our own. We, we can do that. But long-term recovery has to be done in relationships. And we talked a few weeks ago how that we have to heal relationships because our basic problem is relational. And because of that, we have to have people around us. You know, it's kind of like driving your car down the road, and maybe you've done this to check the alignment, but you're driving down the road, and you kind of take your hands off the wheel for just a moment. And whenever you do that, unless your car is really out of alignment, uh, it'll pretty much stay on the road for a little distance. In fact, you may go a lot further than you expected with your hands off the wheel, but once you start to veer off the road, and inevitably you will, but you have no support around your, the wheel, soon or ultimately you will crash. And the same thing is true in our life. We may isolate ourselves from people. We may cut off our accountability. And, and we may not crash immediately, but somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, we will run off the road of life and we're going to crash. So we have to have people around us. We need each other to serve as mirrors to look into either other people's lives. I was talking to a guy this week who's been in recovery for many years, and he told me that for a time he stopped going to, uh, to meetings and, uh, you know, just busy and everything else. But he said, you know what? He realized that he needed to go to the meetings because he needed to look in the eyes of people who were still dealing with their addiction because that is where he saw himself. He saw himself in the eyes of other people. And you know what? Even if we're doing well ourselves, we need to be investing in people, but we also need to see our own humanness. And maybe we see that in the eyes of people who are still desperate. Another reason I think we relapse is pride. Is pride. Proverbs chapter 16 says, pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before a fall, another version says. You know, somebody said, the guy who gets too big for his britches will be exposed in the end. And I think that's probably true, you know. When we get pride, proud, uh, prideful and we allow pride to come into our life and, and uh, you know, we, we refuse to take responsibility for ourselves, it kind of sets us up for a fall. It kind of blinds us to our own weaknesses. Pride also is what prevents us from seeking help. It prevents us from repairing relationships with people. It makes us blame other people for our problems. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. When you reach the point in your life when you feel like you've got it all together, you've got it figured out, that's when you're especially in danger. So those are all reasons, I think, that, that we can relapse in any area of our life. You can deal with addiction, that you can deal with your sin, you know, whatever it might be, your relationship with God. Those are all things that Satan uses to cause us to fall away. So how do we prevent that from happening? How do we set up some guards in our life so that we do not experience a relapse, so that we don't fall away? Well, the Bible's really clear, and that's where we come up with our seventh step in recovery. So here's step number seven in the process. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the power to do it. Here's the step. This is important for every person in the room. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer so we can know His will, know God and His power for us to change. 
And this is based on Mark chapter 14, where Jesus said, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, I think a lot about that, that whole spirit is willing thing, because I want to be a, a certain kind of person. My, my desire, my spirit says, I really want to be faithful, and I want to walk with God, and I want to know opportunity and take advantage of that when I see it, and I want to, you know, be obedient in every way. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak, and my flesh doesn't always follow through, and because I live in the flesh... I'm so susceptible to falling away. So I need something consistent in my life to make sure that I remain faithful. And I'm going to make a statement that I don't know if you'll agree with or not, but, but I, I, just watching people, I have never seen someone stand strong for a long period of time who did not have a committed time with God on a daily basis. I just haven't seen it. I mean, it, it's, I, know, I know sometimes we, we look good, but do we really stand strong for a long time? And I think we have to have that time with God. And that time with God needs to be a little bit structured. It, it can be casual and flexible, but there's some things that we have to do in our time with God in order for us to stay connected to Him. The first thing, and we've mentioned this before, but the first thing is evaluation. We need some time to let God search us and to search our hearts. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when we said that we ought to come before God and, and evaluate our lives and say, God, why do I feel guilt? What are the areas in my life where, where I, that I have done wrong or am doing wrong that I need to be convicted of? God, what are the areas that I feel, that I feel guilty and shame about? And what's hurting me what's now? What's, what's destroying my life? And, and just sit down and evaluate our life and ask Him to help, uh, to help us honestly look inside our hearts and our life and our actions and decide where we need to begin and to address. And ask ourselves, are we the best that we can be? And here's some areas to look at. How about physically? How about physically? Are you caring for your earthly body so that you can serve your heavenly Father? The reality is that God's given us this one body for us to be faithful in serving. And are we using that body to the best of its ability? You know, we live in the flesh, we work in the flesh. Uh, you know, how, how are we dealing with the flesh? Do we have health issues that we need to address? You know, sometimes people, you know, they, they just let their body kind of fall apart, and we all probably ought to go to the doctor sometime and address that. You know, I'm trying to get up the nerve to go, you know, get a physical. You know, that's one thing I don't do on a regular basis. I should. I, I know I need to do it, you know, but I just need to go do it. Do we take care of ourselves? Do we address just basic issues? What about addictions? What about things that we can't say no to that are not, just not healthy for us? Are you neglecting the body that you have? Here's the thing. You only get one in all of life. You only get one physical body. So are you using it, taking care of it, because it's got to last you until you pass from this world, right? So are you taking care of yourself physically? A lot of us don't ever think about that. How about emotionally? Emotionally, do you have feelings that you need to deal with, that you need to, to acknowledge? We, we talked last week about relationships and that sometimes we just neglect the, 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 the feelings that we have toward people. You know, maybe are, are you resentful about something? Are you hurting in some way that you will not admit that you're hurting? Are you anxious or worried about something? Are you exhausted all the time? You know, a lot of us run at a pace that, that is not healthy for us. And we need to be honest because God cares about our physical body, our emotional mind. He talks about, He cares about us relationally as well. What about the relationships in your life? And, and again, we, we mentioned this, but are you at peace with everybody? Do you need to make amends with people? Do you need to offer forgiveness or heal a relationship? 
And if, that, if you do, you can think of that person right off the bat. They've already come to your mind in the last seconds who that person is that you ought to go talk to if you know that things are not right with somebody. Because if there's a problem, they are living in your head and you're letting them live rent-free. You know, you're, you're not being a good steward of your mind because they're living in, and they're taking a lot of energy out of you. Let go of your hurts. How are you doing spiritually as well? Our evaluation ought to ask yourself, how, how, how am I doing with the Lord? Is my relationship with the Lord deepening? Is it lessening? Is it staying the same? What I've discovered is rarely does your relationship with the Lord stay the same. It's either getting deeper or it's lessening one or the other. It's, it rarely remains static because we have to be working and investing on that. Then what do you need to do to take your next step on your journey, journey toward Jesus? You've got to evaluate that thing. Be honest with yourself. The second part of that time beyond the evaluation is meditating on God's Word. Meditating on God's Word. And, uh, you know, that just means to slow down long enough to hear God. Busyness is, is the enemy of recovery and growth. And I would tell you, if there's anything in your life that Satan fights for, it is to try to keep you too busy uh, to, and too tired to seek God. That is what he is focused on. He wants to get you, I mean, working all the time or, or watching TV all the time or, you know, reading a book, a good book all the time. Whatever he can do, if he can keep you too busy and too tired to seek God, that's one of his big tricks. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or set in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Do you get that picture of us meditating on God's word? Like a, like a, I always think about a willow tree for some reason that is hanging over the water. And while, you know, around it, it might be the, the leaves may be drying up on other trees, but this tree is being nourished and fed. And that's what the word of God does to us. Being in the word of God consistently uh, feeds us and, and, and nourishes us in every way. And what we find from that is prosperity. Prosperity. I believe the single habit that will make your life more successful, whatever you do, is spending time in God's Word. Because He is feeding you and nourishing you in your life, and you will be blessed and successful. Because the Bible is our manual for life. And the more you study it and meditate on it, you're going to be more successful. Now, a lot of people say, well, how do I meditate? You know, and I have to sit in a lotus position with my legs crossed and my head. No, that's, no, no, get away from that. Meditation is not that. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Who doesn't know how to worry? All of us can worry plenty. So if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate because worry is just negative meditation. Worry is thinking about something over and over and over again. You can't get it out of your mind. You've probably done, I'm just worried about this. You're thinking about it over and over again. Meditation is taking a Bible verse and thinking about it over and over and over again. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the habits that we establish in our mind, how we operate. Sometimes 40% of our life is just habit that we do. And they've discovered that habits create a rut in certain circuits in your mind. That's why you just fall into those by default because you're accustomed to doing it. And we just talked about what if we took the Word of God and made that a habit? What if we were so aware and so familiar with God's Word that that's what we thought about when we could be worrying? That would be so much better for us. So meditation is important. And the third part of our time with God after evaluation and meditation is prayer, is prayer. 
You know, prayer is an amazing gift from God, and it's the way that we plug into His power. Um, you know, here, here at church on Saturday, every, uh, every other, well, first and third Saturday of every month, we have an hour of prayer. And I want to tell you, yesterday was phenomenal. It was so awesome. Uh, Miss Joanne Brown led us in prayer through that time, and it was, it was phenomenal. You guys were missing out. I feel sorry for you if you weren't here yesterday, all right? Uh, because it's just awesome time spending with God. But you know what? You don't have to have a group to pray. You don't have to have a, a service to pray in. You can pray without any need, about any need in your life. And any of those things we talked about, the financial, the physical, the relational, spiritual, whatever it might be, that we have a Father who is waiting to hear from us. And not only is He waiting, He, he wants to answer that prayer. He wants to respond to us. And it's just a conversation with Him. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, himself even being God, he spent many hours at a time in prayer to God. Sometimes he spent all night in prayer, you know, because he knew how important it was to be connected to God. In fact, he even taught us how to pray. He gave us what he called the model prayer. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, that is a model prayer that Jesus gave us. Sometimes people say, well, how come we don't say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday like, like some, you know, maybe you did when you were growing up. But I want you to see that this is not a ritual prayer to be given. It's not, Jesus didn't say this is what you should pray. Jesus said this is how you should pray. And so you kind of look at the prayer, and what's really interesting for our study is that notice that all of the recovery steps that we've been talking about are in the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you ever noticed that. I hadn't recognized that, but they're all in the Lord's Prayer, acknowledging God, surrendering to God, confessing God or Christ, making changes in our life, repairing relationships or forgiving people. Even the temptation that we're talking about today, the temptation to relapse, where, where Jesus said we should pray that God would deliver us from the evil one. So you see, all of the steps we're talking about are, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So I just want to encourage you, as you think about taking this step and setting up a definite time in your day, sometime, spending time with God. For a lot of people, it's in the morning. That's when I choose to have mine, when my mind is freshest, and, and, uh, and I had to create that time. I had to get up earlier to do it, because most of, the, most of us sleep as late as we can. Uh, but uh, you may just have to create that extra half an hour. Get up early. Develop a habit of spending time with God. Maybe you're not a morning person. You want to do it in the evening or during the midday, whatever it may be. But set apart a time and commit that time to worship and to spend time with God. You see, we've got a Heavenly Father who is just longing to, to hear from us so that we can plug into His power. And if we're going to be able to con continue our journey, if we're going to be able to maintain our momentum then we simply have to reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain power to do it. That's just so important. You know, I don't know if you know it or not, but um, tomorrow afternoon there's going to be an eclipse. <laughs> is there anything we've... Well, I guess there is something we've heard more about than that lately on the news. But... Um, but I was thinking about that eclipse, and I was thinking, you know, it's kind of fascinating how it's all going to work and everything, and, and how we could think that there could not be a creator or a God who put this in, in place. I can't imagine how you could 
could, could think that came together. But I was thinking about how all these, uh, the planets and how everything works and how occasionally they cross paths and, and cause an eclipse, and it's a lot more complicated than that, I know. But here, here's the thing that I was thinking about that, was the reality is that there's no accident that all that happens, that there's a, a master hand that's moving it. But all of that doesn't just happen by momentum. God didn't just, you know, give everything a spin and say, now just keep going. You know, momentum is not what keeps the universe going. Momentum is not everything. What, ha- what, what really makes it happen is the hand of a powerful God who is engaged in life. And that really is the only way that we can maintain our movement and our faithfulness to God is having the hand of a powerful God in our life who is constantly involved, constantly directing things and making it happen. So my prayer is that you have acknowledged that, that you are beginning this journey. And please don't say, oh, you know, I don't have any big habits or addictions. I don't need to listen. This is so relevant to all of us. Whatever our issue is, we need to have this as part of our life and we need these steps. So, so if you haven't been paying as much attention as possible, please say, no, this is important for all of us. Now, what are some action steps for today? Well, here, here's the first thing. I want to begin by, by encouraging you to acknowledge God, that realize there is a God who cares about you. We talked about that. But the, the single most important action step would be for you is to commit your life to Jesus. And if you have not done that, then we want to we give you a time to do that. In just a few moments, I'm up front. Tony's here. There are others who can step forward. We would love to have that conversation with you or set up a time to initiate that and, and talk about what it means for you to give your life to Christ and begin this journey. And if you're struggling, you're here and you're struggling and you need some recovery and there's something got a hold of your life and, and maybe nobody but you knows about it, uh, we want to encourage you to think about coming to Celebrate Recovery, which is by the way, it, is, it begins on Labor Day for, for everyone. It opens it up. And if you know other people that are struggling, would you begin to pray about them and encourage them to think about this as well? And here's the other thing, the last thing. If maybe you're managing life okay and God's just helping you and walk through and you're doing okay, uh, maybe it's time for you to help serve other people. And we have some opportunities in that that we'd love to encourage you to, to be involved in in our Celebrate Recovery uh, we need people who are willing. We want to provide a meal for people when they, they can come here and, you know, make it here uh, with their, their family and be able to eat uh, for the Celebrate Recovery. So we need people to do that, some volunteers that, that can, maybe not every week, but we're going to serve it every week, but some people that can help us out there. And we need some help with child care because we want families to be able to come in and share this together. And then we help, need some help with some students and um, and caring and, and teaching st- young people, teenagers, because there's a program for them as well. And, uh, and then we need some folks to work with worship, the worship part of it. So there's some areas that if, if God has blessed you and maybe you've, you're in recovery, maybe you're doing well and you want to serve, there's some great ways that you can do that. And uh, so uh, I know John and Gracie are back in the back and Tyson's over here as well. So uh, if you guys could maybe hang it back here in this corner and if some of you want to help out in some way, uh, go talk to them. This is some action steps to put some, some reality, some activity in your life to say, this is how I'm serving God. Guys, we're all on this road together. We need to encourage one another and pray. So let's close our time out in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. And God, we know that, that, that this world moves rapidly around us, but that you are the one that really, with your hand, God, you're the one that keeps things together. So God, I would pray today that all of us would, first of all, acknowledge you as, as the powerful God that you are, 
And Lord, that we would be grateful enough to, uh, to respond to your invitation to Jesus. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who hasn't done that, God, please give them the courage to just step out to, make that, to initiate that move. And God, for all of us who, who are, are managing, help us to understand that we grow best in relationship. And by serving others, we're serving you. So God, give us a heart to reach out and minister to those who, uh, who may not be quite as far along on the journey as we are. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We just come to you in this time. And in Christ's name, amen.